Blackwater, the Wagner Group, Executive Outcomes, the Flying Tigers, the Swiss Guard, the White Company, the Knights Templar, the Varangian Guard, Clerkus of Sparta, Pythagoras the Spartan, Mentor of Rhodes, and Socrates of Achaea. The list is endless. Mercenaries, guns for hire, soldiers of fortune, private military companies, private security contractors, dirty deeds done not so dirt cheap. History is replete with privatized militaries. Call them what you want. They've been around for a very long time and they are very likely not going away anytime soon. So you better get used to it, grow up and accept it or move to another planet. Because in this world, folks, money trumps everything. And like it or not, wars are good for business. So remove your blinders, all of them, and take a good sensory inventory of what you're being told and shown to believe. Because here we go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Oconus, The Contractor's Life. Talking from the relatively insulated and bucolic rural foothills of northwestern Washington State, I'm your host, Scott Dresser. As I've mentioned before, life as a private security contractor, OCONUS, in a hostile or a war-torn zone, is a mixed bag of blessings. Some good and some not so good. But be that as it may, all in all, Private security contracting is much the same as life. It is what you make it. That said, let's get back to where we left off. And not necessarily in fine chronological order. Something that's uh, come to my attention, and uh, I want to throw it out there and talk about it just a little bit, is... Uh, in the previous episode, one of the things I mentioned was online maps or mapping programs. It's been around for a while, and they kind of became a serious thing in the earlier part of this century. By somewhere between 2005 and 2007, they were come, really coming up to speed and, and made quite the jump and the leap in uh, their performance and what they were able to do. So one day, and I don't remember how long into the contract this was, and uh Probably within, I'd say, three, third or fourth month at the most, if it was even that long. Uh, but one day I noticed, it, it just kind of clicked to me, between looking at maps online, both on my computer back at my room, um, Seaside, uh, there in Kuwait, after work, and, and my phone uh, driving around, I noticed that the maps that I, where I was looking at, they were quite detailed, and that's great. That's fine. That's what we want in a map. We want a detailed map. We want to see what's there. We want to be able to recognize it and make something out of it. If we don't recognize it, go, oh, that's what that is. But the strangest thing is I noticed that the level of clarity and detail presented in the maps, particularly as it pertained to the military installations and bases just in Kuwait, I thought, Holy crap, if I was a terrorist, these would be perfect for planning. So, fast forward, 
um, I don't know, a, a day or two later, maybe three days at the most, came off that weekend, um, and one of those military intelligence types, I don't remember if he was coming or going, I think it was actually coming because he had a hand-rolled, thick piece of paper, and I could tell it was a map. Uh, and, and I mentioned to him, what I just said, that the, the level of clarity and the detail and one thing or another, and that can't be good. And he stopped and he thought about that for a few seconds. And, and I don't remember exactly what he said, but he was like, he was amazed. He didn't realize that. And he said, well, he'll look into it and get back to me. Well, sure enough, uh, approximately a week later, five days, seven days later, whatever it was, uh, and again, I don't remember exactly how that conversation went, but he basically thanked me uh, for bringing that to his attention and that it had been addressed. And uh, sure enough, it had because <laughs> a couple or a few days later, maybe even that night, I went back to my room and got back online and looked at the maps. It was like, presto, voila. <laughs> so looking at maps now, when you look at maps and you see stuff that's blurred out, scrubbed out, missing, the detail is gone, the content is gone. I'm not saying I'm the reason for it, but certainly I had a hand in it at some point, to some extent, at some level. Um, and, and, and <laughs> you know, so if you're angry because you, because stuff is scrubbed out or missing, don't be angry at me. I was just doing my patriotic American thing and noting what was pretty obvious. And But further than that, as we know, in security, professionals or otherwise, observation is key. Observation is everything. What you hear, what you see, what you feel, what you're sensing. And why, what I mean by feel, folks, I don't mean that your feelings are hurt. I'm talking about literally feeling by touching, okay? So you hear, you smell, you see, you touch, you feel, and then you get that spider sense, okay? Call it whatever you want, okay? The, the tingling sensation, that, that quiet voice telling you something's not quite right, uh, whether you're looking at it or hearing it or both. But uh, anyway, so I just thought I'd throw that out. I thought it was an interesting thing. It was one of a number of, uh, of, of uh, things where I had taken note of something. And I'm like, I can't believe anybody hasn't thought of this. I can't believe nobody's mentioned it. Nobody's brought it up. Uh, and, and I won't go into any detail about it. But, you know, because there are things that I just can't or sh at least shouldn't talk about. Because I did have uh, a certain level of uh, classification. And whether I'm still beholden to those or not really is immaterial because there are just some things that should not be made public consumption. And by that, primarily, not exclusively or necessarily the only things, but certainly certain classified, uh, legitimately classified uh, installations, bases, and, and locales. There are just some things that should not be talked about. If you have a need to know, uh, you'll know. Otherwise, um, if you're a really good investigative reporter, writer, journalist, or you just are super keenly uh, interested uh, and curious, you, you'll probably figure it out. Uh, but another one was uh, I noticed that um, the base that I was on, and it wasn't the only one, uh, seemed rather porous. Uh, and, and that's not to say that they didn't take their physical security measures 
the barriers and stuff like that. Seriously, they did. Uh, you know, it's just that I noticed that it's kind of like the insider thing. And, and this is what we came to know the enemy to do. And they did it a lot. And they did it well. And oftentimes you never knew for sure who the enemy was because they could be the interpreters or the translators. They could be the dude you work with that's an American. You just never know. Plenty of people were caught with their hands deep inside that cookie jar, and they couldn't get that fat hand out fast enough when, when, they, got, when they got caught. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, there was a day uh, while we're still at Air Jam before being uh, uh, summarily moved to other places uh, because of some instances, which you may recollect from an earlier episode in this season that I discussed. Um, anyway, so, and I was telling one guy, I said, you know, it wouldn't be that difficult because they talked about a red team doing this and that. They had red teams. Uh, whoever was comprised of the red teams or composed of it, however it was comprised or composed. But I remember saying, you know, the, the spacing of certain elements on that base and the timing and the way things do go, especially when we're doing guard change and one thing or another, uh, and in particular at night, not that daytime wasn't couldn't be um something that could be easily penetrated because again you get lax and and that's that's you know you hear it all the time uh complacency kills and it does you become complacent you become lax and that's when stuff happens okay that's part of the old saying you know you can do everything right and you can be a hero 364 days in that year and then that last final day something happens Okay, and that can be <laughs> your ticket to chicken or beef, aisle or window. <laughs> okay, so and anyway, so I, I had this discussion with the, with this guy, and I think it was a supervisor. I was telling him about it, and and he challenged me, and I looked at him, and I said, "Okay, well, I'll tell you what. You guys give me up to two weeks, okay, and I'm still being paid, okay, and you'll see me when and if you see me." I'll get on this base. You tell me what you want me to tag or do to let you know that I got in and no one challenged me. And I'll also make it clear that I got off the base without being challenged or caught. Okay. And I, again, I don't remember the exact discussion, how it went, but it was basically, it took two or three days, but you know, and I was waiting because I thought maybe they might, they might take me up on it, but they didn't. Uh, so whatever. Um, you know, we, you know, you'd see things out there depending on where you were. And again, we're talking Kuwait and people go, ah, oh, Kuwait. Well, you know, there was a time and they say, yeah, there was a time when Kuwait was, was, was that way. And certainly when I was there, it, it was winding down. It, it wasn't the threat nor the risk to life and limb that Iraq and Afghanistan were at that time. Uh, so granted, I'll give you that, but stuff still did happen, uh, you know, and something that comes to mind is like uh, one of the things that was a concern, there were a great many things that came and went, but they, they kind of sort of remained concerns through the whole time was, uh, re what I forget the exact term, but it was basically a remote mortar system, okay, and by that, and, and, and it was really simple, <laughs> it was creative, out of the box, but it worked and it was effective, and that's what really matters, so what they would do is whether it was a red team testing us in the towers, the observation towers, wherever we happen to be, or the QRF teams, the, the roving patrols, what have you, whether we spotted it or not. But there were a number of instances at various locales where a keen observer, if you just pay attention, 
okay, and you're just constantly observing, which is what you're being paid to do anyway, okay, we would notice, and, and we're talking hundreds of meters, sometimes further, sometimes closer, okay, and you'd see these things that were set up that looked like when you're looking through the binoculars, and at night, Again, depending on the lighting conditions, the, the ambient lighting conditions, sometimes binoculars work better than the NVGs. I'm just saying uh, it just depended on, on how things went. But you would see something daytime or nighttime that thought, that's odd. That looks different. I haven't seen that before. And that goes back to what we call normal. Okay, and what we mean by that is that what's normal is what you come to know as normal. In other words, it might take you a week or a month, or three months, or a year, whatever it takes, but you finally figure out what is quote-unquote normal in terms of tempo, operations, objects, personnel, yada, 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 okay? And anything that, that, that occurs outside that plane of normalcy, that's what piques your interest, okay? So it's not like you have to be on super high red alert all the time. You, you'll, you'll burn out within weeks, months, for sure. You just can't keep it up uh, over a protracted period of time, especially not over a period of years. But we would notice these things. And so what these folks would do, uh, it was more prevalent, of course, in Iraq and Afghanistan. Uh, but they would take mortars uh, and they would, they would uh, put bags of ice um, over the, the mortar um, uh, and I don't know, the, the, the triggering mechanism and once that heated up from the sun, um, it would, you know, bags of ice, if you ever stack them up, they'll move, they'll shift position uh, because of, of the, the, the weight and just the way things happen when it goes from a solid to a liquid state. And so it would move and the mortar would be triggered and poop, and you'd hear it and you usually you'd, you'd, you could hear it. Uh, depending on the ambient noise level and where you were uh, flying through the air. You wouldn't hear the poop unless you were like really close. Uh, but you could hear it flying through the air. And uh, usually it's not far from what Hollywood tries to get right on this. Uh, usually you hear it just as it's approaching the overhead. Okay, so it's not, I mean, it, you're here, it's usually a rocket that you hear before it gets to your position. And typically, it's the mortar that you hear as it's as it's coming over the top of your head, okay, as it's passing you. Um, it's that whistling sound, and that's because uh, the, the, just the way sound and and uh, and air works. And again, it depends on how close or how far away from you it is. But so that was one of the things they did, and and we saw it in Kuwait. And again, uh, you know, we had people respond to it, and I never really heard for sure whether it was a legit or not. And maybe because they didn't want anybody to know. <laughs> I don't know. But those sorts of things happened uh, in Kuwait. So at this point, some of you might be rolling your eyes or others might be asking yourselves, holy shit, is this guy some sort of security badass? No, not at all. By no means. I mean, there's probably some people out there and I've heard it and periodically I still hear uh, words of flattery, uh, call them compliments or whatever you want to call them. But I was just a dude that I've always been curious. And I, while I don't see and hear everything, I don't think anybody can see or hear anything, everything. Because we're only human and we've got one set of eyes. We've got one set of ears. Which is why we like to operate in teams. 
two as a minimum, okay? Because you got a second set of ears and eyes that'll probably see or hear something that you didn't see or hear or see it and hear it better than you did, okay? So, but so no, I just was curious. I took my job serious. I was cognizantly aware. And I made it my business to make sure that <clears throat> I was aware of what was going on and questioned things. Does that, I didn't always get answers to my questions. Uh, sometimes they were annoyed or perturbed. Uh, the, you know, and that happened not only in Kuwait, but it stayed with me in Iraq. It stayed with me in Afghanistan. Uh, you know, and some people loved it. They thought it was great. Uh, they loved having me around. And others, not so. And a good example of that, uh, so jump, uh, for example, in, in Iraq, uh, it was in the southern part of Iraq. It wasn't south Iraq, but it was, it was just north of, um, uh, just north of Basra, Iraq. I don't know why, but for some reason I get brain farts a lot when I think of, try to think of certain cities and towns and, and villages and and tribal areas but uh so anyway so just for whatever reason guys tell me yeah still yeah it's public knowledge but don't don't mention it you know it's in the nazaria region so if you find out nazaria and basra um you can almost triangulate to the area i'm talking about <clears throat> so anyway in that area i'm having this conversation with a fellow supervisor uh, I, I don't recall if he was, I think he was taking some time off, a couple of days, a few days, whatever it was, but I was temporarily assigned to uh, supervise his portion of that facility. And I was getting really annoyed because every time I drove through, in, and around his area of, of, of uh, operations where he, where he was, his area of responsibility, okay, uh, and this was at night, his shift was at night. And I swear, if not every, nearly every person that was part of the guard force that he was responsible for was asleep at the wheel, quite literally. Um, and, and it got really perturbed, really annoyed. And at one point, I finally had to start telling some people about it and asking about it. And he comes to me one day and he says, you know, yada, 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 stay in your lane. And I'm like, What? What does that even mean? And he, you know, and he, we were talking some more and he ex uh, explained it a little bit. I said, stay in my lane, dude, I am staying in my lane. Okay. Even if, even if I'm not responsible for that. Okay. If I just happen to be walking or driving through in or around that and I see it, A, it shouldn't be happening. B, you're obviously not doing anything to correct that. So C, I'm bringing it to your attention so that you can correct it because if you don't, I'll make sure it gets corrected. Okay. That was just one of a great many sorts of things like that. <clears throat> I mean, we had at that same place, uh, one of the other things I was responsible for was the uh, perimeter towers. Uh, there were towers inside this facility, and it was a large installation. Um, but my primary, I mean, I, I worked a lot of areas there, but my primary responsibility was, was the tower, the perimeter towers. And I don't remember how many there were. It was more than 30. It was close to 40 by the, that I was responsible for uh, near the end. But maybe it was just my supervisory style. I don't know. Maybe it was just me. Again, sometimes I rub people the wrong way. <laughs> you probably figured that out already, right? Um, 
But be that as it may, again, I take people as they are. And I'll take the word for it unless it unless and until it becomes clear to me you're lying, you're full of you-know-what, um, and you're just not doing your job. So these guys are falling asleep. And there was, and I'll talk about some of the other stuff that uh, – to some people, it's maybe funny. Others, it's pretty sickening and disgusting. But one of the things, <laughs> you know, I mean, I caught people nodding off and falling asleep all the time in the towers. It's like, what the hell are you guys doing on your time off? You know, and and we had a thing, you know, one of the, there were many reasons why there were at least two people in every observational tower, whether they were quote unquote providing overwatch or whatever. Okay, there was there were a lot of reasons, but one of them was the one up, one down theory rule, whatever you wanted to call it. Okay, so that if you both agreed that uh, one of you, hey man, I'm just I need I need five or ten or fifteen, and you both agreed that yeah, okay, uh, it's pretty quiet right now. Um, I'll be on high alert. Go ahead, and I'll wake you up in fifteen minutes. Okay, so we you know that would happen because sometimes after six or seven days, man, I mean you're just you're, you're fried okay it's a 12-hour shift but everything else that goes into it you're looking at 14 to 16 hours and if you're doing a workout and you're doing anything else you know it can easily be a 20-hour day so you know at best you're getting four to six hours of sleep if you're a supervisor manager even if you're just a guard i mean it's just the way it goes um anybody get more than that well we'll, we'll talk about that another time so i've come along this tower i forget the tower number it was probably 30 something and uh, I'm driving by it, and, and these guys have been a you know proverbial they they've been a perpetual problem in terms of of not properly manning their post. And theirs wasn't the only one that I finally put my foot down in, in a mild rage and had them reassigned and got new people that would do the job properly there. And this is what it was this night. Um, and I made a habit when I came by at night. I was not sneaking up on these dudes. I mean, there were supervisors that would do that all the time, try to sneak up and catch you. You know, I'm not going to sneak up and try to catch you. Okay, that's not my job. Okay, and that's not what I want to do. I don't want you guys to fear me. I want you to appreciate me and respect me, and let's work together. I'm doing my job. You do yours. So I would always flash the lights on the, on the vehicle I was driving, well in advance of the tower I was approaching so they could see me coming. If they were paying attention, that's key, right? If they're paying attention, they're going to see it. I make it clear. I don't try to go up the steps nice and quiet and stealthy. But this night, after honking the horn and flashing the lights as I'm approaching um, and getting out, uh, and I even tramped a little louder than normal going up the steps so they knew I was there. I get up, knock on the door, and we're talking a steel tower, steel door, nothing. Knock again, nothing. I'm like, what? I put my ear to the door, nothing. I knock, nothing. At this point, there's a small, very narrow catwalk that goes around uh, from one side to the other. I go around it, look through, um, I'm calling it glass, but it was, you know, whatever it actually was, the, the bulletproof material that they used for it. And even at night with the ambient light, I could see, you're kidding me. These guys are curled up, navel to ass, on the floor with cardboard between them and the floor, just knocked out. I'm like, holy crap. 
pulled out my phone, took a photograph of it. I guess the light flash disturbed one of them. They woke up and quickly tried to make like nothing was wrong. They, 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 were, at, they were at attention. They were doing their job. Long story short, by the time that night was over, those two were gone. I had two fresh bodies in there. That was not, that was not the only time. I'll just leave it at that. That was not the only time something like that happened and not just at that facility. It was not an uncommon thing. Typically speaking, if we had Americans doing the jobs, we didn't have these issues. There might be other issues, but we didn't have issues of people paying attention and and nodding off and, and falling asleep, both of them. Okay, because I've worked some of those towers throughout Iraq and Afghanistan uh, and, and we did, you know, you would take a five minute nap, you know, just a little snoozer to, you know, and be you wake up refreshed. Okay, but the other guy is there. And if anything's going on or anything happens, you know, he he blasts you pretty hard on the shoulder or the back to wake you up, make sure you're awake and, and you're at it. Um, but those are the sorts of things that um, I'm talking about. Uh, when it comes to, you got to be kidding me, okay? And there was no shortage of them uh, in Iraq, Kuwait, or Afghanistan. Call them shenanigans, call them whatever you want, but it happened. I mean, people are people, but the degree and the frequency with which some of these things were happening, uh, it seemed over a period of probably two to three years was the worst, and I'm guessing uh, 2008 to 2010, maybe 2009 to 11 or 12 is, was the worst of it. Um, and there were plenty of uh, misgivings, and you could hear it sometimes directly and other times indirectly from people that the companies had the contracts with that, yeah, we're not going to contract with these people anymore. When this is over, they're done. Uh, and, and I'll wrap this one up with, with the last one that was the most egregious of all the egregious security guard things en masse I had ever witnessed and experienced and been a part of, and it was in Iraq. And it was at a small base, uh, <coughs> Ford Operating Base at the time. They changed the name when the Department of State took over. Um, it was no longer a Ford Operating Base. I think they called it like Joint Security something. Anyway, um, and it was by what was then the the old U.S. Embassy, because the embassy had moved uh, into what we now call the international zone. Um, so the guards, and there were three countries, as I recall, that, that a lot of companies were contracting Africans from. One of them was Sierra Leone. Uh, another one was uh, West Africa, or Sierra Leone. Uh, yeah, so it was uh, West, West Africa, or what some maps now call Western Sahara, uh, Sierra Leone, and I believe uh, we still had people there from Nigeria, but it was basically Sierra Leone and the other countries. Um, and, you know, for the most part, certainly the, uh, the guys that were in charge of, of, of the African guards uh, that were from Africa, just like uh, in other places there in Iraq, uh, they, they typically... Uh, certainly 90% of them were good, upstanding, solid dudes. Most of them had prior military uh, backgrounds. And some of them, some pretty <laughs> pretty stellar ones, too. Uh, so these guys, for whatever reason, and I guess, you know, it was, it, was, it was the very bleeding, leading edge of what we're seeing these days. 
But they were listening to uh, and, and paying too much attention to Western people and Western money um, and thinking that they weren't being paid enough. And when you talk to the guys, their senior people, their sergeants, their staff sergeants, their sergeant majors, their lieutenants and whatnot, they say, oh, no. They say, well, yeah, you're right. That is what we're being paid. And, you know, and depending on your pay scale, you, your pay scale, you know, contingent upon like you guys, you know, what your title and position is. Some of us get more than others. But even the lowest guys still get paid what they consider to be good money from the country that they come from. Okay, anywhere from two to five times what they could make there at most average jobs. And so most of them were pretty, pretty good about it. But still, for whatever reason, and I don't know if it was the only base, but this one, these guys decided they wanted to go on a strike. That's right. The entire African Guard Force at this installation, they wanted to strike. And they did. Okay, but leading up to it, you know, I kept telling these guys and I warned them over a period of days. I said, don't do this. I said, if you do this, whether you're successful in getting what you think you're going to get or not, I promise you, you will go home. Uncle Sam, the U.S. Army, will not take this lightly. They might say, okay, we'll go along with it. Okay, we'll do this and that. But they will not because you cannot do that. I said, this is a very solemn oath you've taken, and they take this shit seriously. So if you guys strike, just know your days are numbered. Anyone and everyone that's involved in it, your days are numbered. So if you want to stay here, I would highly recommend you don't do it. Well, they did it anyway. So knowing this and knowing that we still had to do our job, somehow I was able to convince these guys uh, to stay on, at least most of them, to stay at their post. Okay, now they still did their 12-hour shifts, at least at the place that I, that area that I was responsible for at this facility. And it was an ECP. And as I recall, it was ECP-1. Okay, and the way I was able to do it um, was by quite literally being there for going on three, I think it was actually three days straight. Morning, noon, night. That's not to say that I didn't go take a quick break for a workout, take a quick meal break, or get a nap for 15 minutes or 30 minutes or an hour. But I was otherwise there all the time. And the supervisors that were coming in on the opposite shift were like, why? You know, and even after I explained it to them a few times, I mean, most of them understood. But I said, look, I got to get these guys to stick around and do their job and man the posts. I said, and if this is what it takes, then that's what I'll do. It's worth it, okay, because we can't afford to, I said, who's going to man it if, they, if they're not there? Anyway, long story short, the guys, uh, the African Guard Force at ECP-1 at that, at that base stuck around and did their jobs. Now, I left uh, that place, I don't remember, it was November probably around the month of November. And this was uh, 2011, I think it was. Um, and, and because I was getting on the WPS contract. But prior to that, when these guys, after that happened, I think they stuck around until uh, DOS took over the base officially. It was theirs. 
they recontracted with a different company and, and they got other stuff in there and and you know but from what i understand some of those guys stuck around and it's my guess that the ones that stuck around were the ones that the army said yeah no these guys you know because they got cameras everywhere no these guys were there they manned their posts but by and large the vast majority of them were given their choice of chicken or beef aisle or window and it was not a pleasant thing okay but yeah so i mean this stuff happens uh, in in conflicts uh because people stir things up they make things more than it should be and it's easy to get caught up in the drama if you allow yourself to do it okay so the key is don't allow yourself to get caught up in the drama because it is never worth it and the day always ends you always wake up the next day and it's always a fresh new day okay the drama might still be there but keep your head in the game stay focused do your job and that's what i did and and it, and it paid off immensely not only there but in other places as well okay i was able to keep my troops there call them what you will guards troops whatever i kept them there we did our job and everybody was was ecstatic they couldn't believe from to this day i hear that mine was the only uh guard location that was fully manned and staffed uh and that my guys wanted to be there i mean there were guys that, that the night shift guards would show up and the daytime and they would they would eventually the day shift guys would leave but some of those day shift guards would stick around at least for a few hours because they couldn't believe that a white-skinned American dude was actually working and doing the job and walking the walk, not just talking it. So that puts the wraps on this one, folks. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. I want to thank you, everyone, for taking the time out of your day or your evening to listen to me talk about my experiences as a private security contractor, OCONUS, or outside the continental United States, overseas, uh, for most countries outside the U.S. Thank you again to Cava Cohen and Colin Perry. Thank you to my wife, my children, and all the folks, male and female, who have been and are still a part of my life. And remember, folks, that the grass is not always greener on the other side. Be careful what you wish for. You might just get it. Stay humble. Stay safe and keep others safe by staying frosty. And until next time, Keep it real.